test. Can y'all hear me? Woohoo! Yeah, finally worked. Awesome. Live from Mexico City, this is the Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Late Late Show. Finally. So a little bit later, late, late, late show with me, Rich Wrigley. This evening, we'll just be talking about the what's happening here in Mexico at the moment and just to keep you abreast of everything that's going on. So welcome to the Lele Show. Live from Mexico City, this is the Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, this evening. Sorry about the technical difficulties earlier. I don't know what happens. Every time I seem to like do something with my computer, something happens left, right, and center, and it freaks out my janky uh, microphone at some point. It's just there, like not sure what to do. Anyway, welcome to the Late Late Show this evening on Teachers Talk Radio. It's been a while because I've been inundated with basically the our version of the pandemic, I suppose you could say. So what's been happening here recently is that we've reopened the school pretty much uh, to full capacity, although all students do are required to wear masks inside of lessons. That's pretty much the only sort of restriction that we have in place at the moment. Um, but in the past month or so, I think we've kind of had the Omicron sort of wave hit us here a little bit more um, or sort of like we're experiencing sort of like an aftershock from what happened in Europe, because I think Europe had uh, the Omicron breakout around, you know, early January after Christmas. We had it a couple of weeks later into that. So pretty much mid-February, we started experiencing it. And as a middle leader in school, it's been probably the most tired I've been as a middle leader, mainly because uh, cover has been or sorting out substitute lessons or covering classes has been a uh, very, very tricky for us to do. Uh, in international schools, you don't really have someone who um, is a cover supervisor or a cover teacher specifically. Uh, you may in some primary schools, for example, but in terms of like in the secondary area, cover really isn't what uh, is, a, there's no such thing really as a cover supervisor per se. So that kind of leaves middle leaders and SLT a bit of a difficult sort of position to try and sort things out. So for example, about three weeks ago, we had three, no, I had four teachers out in our department or in our faculty. Now, obviously, on top of that, we have to make sure that they're all okay and everything like that, that they're isolating. Luckily, everyone was fine. Um, we've all been triple vaccinated here pretty much. And luckily, uh, I would say a good chunk of the population in Mexico City has had at least two vaccinations. I think it's around something like 95% of the population that are eligible for vaccines in Mexico City are able to get vaccinated. So that means like pretty much everyone above 16 years or older has had, I think 16 year olds are not included in this data because they started a little bit later, but they've had, everyone's had basically at least two vaccines. I've had three and I'm going to get my fourth uh, in a couple of weeks time as well. Uh, so luckily that meant for us that 
all the staff who did experience symptoms, a lot of the students who experienced uh, or contracted COVID were experienced very, very mild symptoms at worst. And at worst, they had to have like a week off of school until they were uh, uh, safe to come back in for one of a better word. The problem came with the fact that we had so many people off at that time. Uh, and some, you know, obviously people are sick. They're not able to do remote lessons from, from, their, from their homes. It meant that we had to arrange cover, which is already quite a difficult thing in international schools, but arrange cover for a heck of a lot of people. Uh, so the main challenge as a middle leader was to make sure that the work that was set was being appropriate. If teachers were well enough to send work home, work from home, uh, they would do it. But otherwise, it would be me as a middle leader sort of setting it uh, and trying to make sure the work is is appropriate. But then also we have to make sure that we're sorting out, you know, making sure that everyone has had who, who's in school has had like an even amount of cover lessons or things like that as well. So a few of my tips to like get through this is I'm a really, really big fan of people like uh, Adam Boxer and other people along those lines as well, physics, well, science and physics teachers who have created a shed load of practice booklets and working booklets and things like that. And I've become over the past couple of years, a massive fan of booklets. Uh, it's really, really useful for the students because as a, as a middle leader, if there's no spares, I can just print them out from the students and we're good to go. Um, luckily, since then, things have quietened down a little bit here. Uh, we've had, I would say cases have gone down quite considerably in the last week. Um, I still am amazed that I've not caught it yet. Um, inside of school, students are were getting prepared for the exams. This is going to be our first year of running exams in some way, shape or form uh, since May of 2019. Well, not including like sort of the mock exams that we would do in sort of December, January of 20, December 2019, January of 2020. So we've got year 13 students who have done like mocks with us obviously recently and have done assessments online during the home learning situation, but this will be their first real experience of them doing exams ever, really, because they've their last experience would have been when they were in year 11, going into uh, their mock exams in just before the winter break of 2019. They weren't able to take their exams in May of 2020 for their IGCSE programs. Um, we had to do predicted grades and anyone who dealt with either IB or with Cambridge IGCSE or with uh, Edexcel IGCSE, we don't teach Edexcel, but I'm sure it's the same. You will know that they were absolutely brilliant and were really, really responsive and understanding of people's needs um, during a global pandemic. And they were super adaptive and really, really understood that this was a very stressful time for the student. Oh, no, I'm kidding. They didn't do anything. Um, and so basically last year we had a similar situation for our year 13s and year 11s. For our year 13s, we had to, uh, for our year 13s, we had to, what was I going to say? So for our year 13s, we basically had to do predicted grades for their IB program. Uh, this was weird, but we were able to basically send off pieces of coursework, send off sort of online assessments that we have done, like basically online exams that we had done with them that we were able to verify was uh, to uh, the students own work and things like this. And overall, it was pretty successful, I would say. Uh, all of our students got the IB diploma, which was a great thing. Uh, I think some students may have got a little higher grades than if they had sat the exams. And I think conversely as well, some students may have got pulled down a little bit as well. But overall, it was 
it was pretty positive. For the IGCSE, we had to do a similar thing. And this was the weird bit because for, for the IB exams, uh, the IB understood that the first initial of their name stood for international. So they knew that situations might be different across the world in, in like May of 2021. So they basically gave all you know schools and organizations a choice and said like, look, if you can host exams or set exams, we would prefer you do that obviously, but you have to follow within the sort of re requirements of you know the, the laws that your country has set around COVID. Um, and they said, if that's not possible, if it's not possible for you to do the exams, we would, you know, we would like you to send predicted models, send the internal assessments, which is a piece of coursework in along those lines, and we will moderate them as best we can. And that's the route that we had to do because in May and May and June of 2021, it was still illegal to open a school. And like the IB understood this. They understood that if we tried to open the school, even just to let the year 13s in to do their exams, we would could be fined heavily for you know breach of uh, COVID protocols or you know or worse. So they were like, yeah, sure, just do that this way. That's the same reason. The IGCSE apologies. If I'm going to be slanderous here, but the Cam Cambridge International exams were did not quite grasp this concept. They did not quite grasp that the I in IGCSE stood for international, and so they basically said, well, but you can have in the UK, they're having exams which it turned out they weren't, but well, I think it was anyway. Or well, in Europe, they're having exams, so why can't you? And we had to sort of like roof, like get some crayons out and, you know, like really sort of spell it out to them, almost like you're talking to a toddler and go, okay, we understand that in Europe, they are able to legally have their exams go ahead, but we are saying as an educational institution that all educational institutions are closed in Mexico. If we open them, you we will be fined and we will get in a lot of trouble and also ethically speaking we are putting students at risk by sitting them in an exam room and the ib igcse's response was uh-huh okay but in europe they're doing exams so why can't you do exams and you're like okay let me just say this you know watch my lips move kind of thing we cannot hold the exams here. We're going to need to do predicted grades like we did last time. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, can't they just do the exams in November of 2021 instead? You're asking some students who may leave the country to just reset their exams in November of 2021 because it's more convenient to you. Yeah. Why can't they just do that? Um, Because we have like entry requirements and things like that this is part of this counts towards a, like mexican school curriculum and things like that we need to submit those to other authorities okay so you can't you definitely can't do them in may it's like yes we definitely can't do them in may okay well you can do some kind of predicted grade model but we're going to require some evidence yeah sure what is that evidence going to be uh, um i'll tell you what we'll let you know we'll let you know by the beginning of march for sure and this was like in this was like in January or I think it was like late January of 2021. And so beginning of March came and beginning of March went and I was regularly checking the IGCSE website. They would have curriculum updates and things like that. And they basically said, just to let you know, if you're not able to do the exams, uh, more information will be ready at the beginning of March. And this was by now this point, the 10th of March or something like this around this time last year. And we're like, oh, OK, right. OK. And then. I kid you not, by the end of March. So the students had already gone on, essentially ready to go on study leave. It was near the Easter break. They said, yeah, yeah, they can do a portfolio. You have to send in three pieces of evidence to support their grades. Uh, we'll give you some more information about the logistics of this 
in April. <laughs> and so you're just banging your head against the wall going, well, is this going to be like only three pieces? Can this be work that's already done? Uh, could this be, for example, mock exams that we've done online already? Can that count? Is there a limit? Could we do 100 pieces of assessment and pick the best three? Are you going to set a limit? Bum, 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 bum. Finally, and I kid you not, it was almost like two weeks before they were due to for our for our students to sit the exams or would have sat the exams. They gave us the specific information, and it was, I mean, it was reasonable. But I don't understand why it took so long for these uh, for this organization to basically come up with. You need to set three pieces of work. You can pick from like the best of like five different pieces. Here's the rationale. You need to send off it digitally. You need to assume that it's under test conditions. Yes, you can use previous exams or previous mocks as long as you can verify that they were the students own work. Everything that's very reasonable, but stuff that you would easily be able to come up with <laughs> on the spot when they realized that not all schools would be able to sit exams. And the, the hilarious thing was I spent as a middle leader, as a head of science, I spent a considerable amount of time discussing with other teachers, our grade boundaries, particularly because for us in science, they would sit maybe two or three, you know, they would sit as like coordinated science, for example, they would sit exams with content that has biology, chemistry and physics and have one overall grade. So I would have to sit with, you know, other chem other physics teachers, chemistry teachers, biology teachers, and we would have to moderate ourselves. We would have to we'd prepare a folder of the work, everything like that. We would have to electronically submit it into our, well, basically into our own internal sort of uh, network on the school for the exams officer to be able to upload if and when the IB requested, oh, sorry, the IGCSE requested those grades. And they never did. <laughs> They basically just went with our predicted grades. Now, we spent a massive amount of time making sure that we have done the best we possibly could, that we verified everything, that we'd moderated it. We'd use grade boundaries from previous years. We'd use the set random pieces of assessment all over the place to ensure that it wasn't just like one exam paper from 2017 that we copy and pasted and a student may have seen, for example, and just known the mark scheme straight off or something if they were studying that. So we spent a considerable amount of time at an already exhausted point of the year this is like may 2021 we'd been teaching online since march of 2020 i think i'd been in the school like once or twice at this point everyone was completely burnt out and <laughs> and then it was just kind of a massive well it was great that all our, our grades were what the I, igcse thought they were which is always very reassuring but it was kind of stressful that they didn't even want to check our work. I think they did it for other faculties or for other departments. I know they did it in some schools in other places, but I think the majority was like, as long as you weren't taking the mick with it, like with your grade allocation. So as long as you weren't like, oh, all A stars, because we still use A stars at IGCSE, we don't use nine to one. Um, they, I think they were just there like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And as long as you were very sort of diligent with it, which is really frustrating. And it's really, really frustrating because you had like 18 months of like not seeing your colleagues, not seeing your students. You were really stressed, exhausted by all of this. All of this was extra work thrown on us at the last minute with very, very little guidance by by the governing body who we pay a lot of money to to administer these exams because all the students have to pay to, to register for these exams. And then at the end, we were basically just going, yeah, it's fine. Like it, it felt very one way and it's very... 
I think that after this, certain exam boards are going to get found out that they're not very, <laughs> that they're not as efficient as a lot of people think they were. Anyway, that was the rant with me, Rich Wrigley, uh, so far. Um, we're going to pause briefly for uh, the news uh, and some commercial breaks, and I'll see you again in about seven minutes or so. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out. Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, COVID cases among pupils and school staff have fallen slightly in the past week. Public Health Wales said cases reported by schools did not mean that infection took place there. This week, whole year groups have been sent home to work due to staff absences, with head teachers saying they cannot secure supply cover when staff are off for COVID and non-COVID reasons. Of the total 694 cases in the six days to March the 15th, 
454 were in primaries, 177 in secondaries and 63 in other, which includes independent and special schools and pupil referral units. Surfers Against Sewage, a Cornish charity based in St Agnes, is calling on the government to help make all schools free of single-use plastics by the end of the year. Surfers Against Sewage says, In 2018, the Education Secretary urged all schools to eliminate their use of single-use plastic by 2022. We are now in 2022, and the government have done nothing to support schools in achieving this. Emily Van de Geer, Education Manager for Surfers Against Sewage, said The reason we want to do this as a collective activism action is so that schools can all join together at the same moment in time and make a voice so loud that the government has no choice but to listen. They have a really powerful voice and if we can help work with young people on knowing the power of that voice and where they can direct their energy and really encourage them all to become ocean activists, then we can really drive that change. Pupils in Portreath are among those who have been working hard to drive that change. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
um, when I say lunch break, I mean like 15 minutes to sit and eat something and then get to work, basically. So I'm not saying like a full lunch hour. Although when I was teaching in Brazil, um, when I was teaching in Brazil, there was a it's a cultural thing in Brazil that you don't really have a big breakfast at all. I mean, like in Portuguese, well, in Brazilian Portuguese, breakfast is literally café a manana. Excuse that butchered pronunciation there, uh, which literally means morning coffee. And the school I worked at in was a quite, you know, quite a well-to-do school. And so basically every morning they would put out in the in the cafeteria, there was like a teacher's area of the cafeteria and a student's area, big open plan sort of place and a little bit of an outside terrace as well, because it's Brazil, nice and warm. And in the morning, you, and if you had a briefing, it would be in the cafeteria kind of thing. And basically every morning you could pop down, you could get some coffee, hot water and tea sort of situation as well. And you would have... Uh, like these tiny little bread rolls, you know, like half the size of a of a normal roll kind of thing, like little tiny, like the ones you get in like a fancy restaurant or on an airplane, you know, those kind of ones. And you would have maybe the option of putting some jam on it and things like that, jam and butter or some something called riquejao. Again, excuse the terrible butchering, but it's basically like a very kind of white Philadelphia kind of cheese, but a little runnier, sort of like halfway between cream or three ways between cream, dairy, lee, and, uh, and cheese, that kind of thing. You spread it on. You'd have a couple of those, and that would be it. The thing being, though, at 12 o'clock, the students would have a full hour for lunch, as well as a recess and everything like that, a break. And the teachers would have a full hour for lunch. And it was very cultural to take the full hour. And it, a lot of British teachers got very, very weirded out when you would have that here, basically. Um, because, you know, you come from a situation where you're drinking noodles out of a thermos and <laughs> shotting new shotgunning new noodles out of a thermos and mashing them up so you can keep working and things like that. <laughs> That's a brilliant tip. I'm going to try it. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so you would come from that situation where, you know, at best you would have like, you know, a luxury, I would, you know, would be like 20 minutes for lunch or something like that. So I'd eat my food and I'm always already a quick eater. And so like I'd eat my food and I'd be done within like 15 minutes and, you know, it was a full on, you know, you could have a free course meal and it was free as well, which is absolutely fantastic about that school. You could have, you know, salad, soup, little buffet and like the traditional sort of Brazilian lunch is basically red meat <laughs> of some kind, normally like beef or pork or frango, which is chicken or something like that. So I know it's not red meat, but, you know, and then you would have a what is the technical I technically call carbs upon carbs. So normally you would have like rice and pasta or like french fries and rice and something like that maybe a bit of salad on the side and things like that and you would have this thing as well called which i i've i have some brazilian colleagues at my current school in mexico right now they're absolutely fantastic i love them but and we get on really really well but we nearly had a falling out because i had to describe this food to them and it's one of the few foods i absolutely despise it's called farotha and it is the consistency of sawdust it looks like sawdust. It's basically ground up manioc, so ground up uh, cassava root, ground up into a powder, sometimes fried. So it's, it's got a very dry texture. And the idea is that you put it over a, a very juicy piece of meat, like a rare cut of steak or something like that, and it would absorb the juices. And it's quite nice like that. But that you'll put it over everything. And basically, I described it as the anti-sauce. It's like the complete opposite of what a sauce does, and it dries everything out. But then again, another carb was sort of like added so you would have like red meat carbs upon carbs all of this maybe a salad or a soup to start off with and then there would be desserts as well brazilians love their desserts crazy crazy sweet 
Um, you know it's you know a country like sugar a lot if a Mexican, my wife, went there and went, I don't know about this dessert, it's too sweet. And Mexicans are clinically addicted to sugar. So so crazy, crazy sweet. And you would have all of this around 12 o'clock. That's like Brazilian time for lunch, 12 to 1 lunchtime. And seriously, if you're teaching those last two, three periods of the day, sometimes if you were having like big, big meals, I was knocked out. Sometimes it was like Christmas dinner. It was ridiculous. It was like a Sunday roast. Uh, it was amazing, the food, and I ate it because it was all free and I'm cheap and I'm like, I'm getting my money's worth even though it's free, uh, but I really lived to regret it. Uh, but yeah, and that was sort of like the the lunch culture. And I think the lunch culture in a lot of international schools is not as hectic as, uh, as in the UK. Uh, people do value it as well. I mean, like I have a lot of working lunches here and things like that. It is very, you know, difficult, different. And I would also say that in Brazil, uh, lunch is like sort of seen as like the most important meal of the day. In Mexico, I would say it's breakfast and dinner. So our students, we, they don't really have much of a lunch break. They have they have one break. Uh, we start school at, what time do we start school? Uh, students would go to their morning registration class at around 7.35. Uh, first lessons would start around 7.50, so 10 to 8. Uh, and then we would have, we have a split lunch uh, because uh, our site can't accommodate uh, all the year groups for lunch at the same time. But they'd have a split lunch. And... Uh, you would have for, for lunch, it's only about 45 minutes for lunch, but that's the only break the students would get in the day unless they're like a sixth form student, maybe have a free period. And lunch is really early. So lunch runs, uh, one. our first lunch period runs from 10.50 in the morning until 11.35. And the other lunch period runs from sort of like around, uh, yeah, 11, yeah, 11.40 to 12.30. So it's very, very early on. And then the students would finish, but the students finish at 2.30. That's like the la that's the time when lessons are done. After school clubs and activities may run until about three o'clock. Uh, revision sessions sometimes may run a little bit longer. Uh, but after that, you, the students are free to go home. Most students leave at 2.30, especially if they're getting uh, transport provided by the school. The buses will leave at like 2.35, 2.40. Uh, and then after that as well, teachers are free to leave at three oh five, three o'clock. Uh, I sometimes stay longer, but it's not it's not seen as a bad thing leaving early. Well, leaving on time, <laughs> so there, there would be sort of no stigma by that or anything like that, um, which is really really nice. Don't get me wrong, uh, but that leaves a really sort of weird situation for lunch. And so like lunch here, and this is not just my school that I work in. This is other schools that I've worked in here in Mexico, but also speaking to Mexicans and and. Uh, and like my wife and my family, lunch is really just an opportunity to have a snack. And so like lunch is here. If um, if you were like buying from the cafeteria, you would have something like a big sort of uh, sandwich or something like that. Uh, maybe some fruit or veggies. Normally you'd have like some veggies like cut up into like little like carrots cut up into sticks some like cucumber cut up into sticks. Kids love throwing lime and chili sauce all over it and things like that. That would be kind of like seen as a snack. If you're bringing in food as well it would be a similar thing like sandwiches those kind of things one thing that uh, my wife used to really love and it really creeps me out is these types of hot dogs that are cut like, like frankfurters basically that are cut into like three centimeter chunks and then they're cooked obviously but then they're dunked in like Worcestershire sauce I can't say it properly Worcestershire Oh my god, my wife's going to kill me for saying that. Worcestershire sauce. Wait, I said it properly. Worcestershire sauce, or we, we, they call it here salsa inglés, English sauce, like Maggie sauce, uh, chili sauce, lime, things like that. And you would just eat it with a cocktail stick. 
it's basically very, very sort of snack heavy. And then by the time you get back uh, from school, and most schools finish around like three o'clock or something like that, so back home at three, you would eat sort of like a lunchy dinner. Like uh, my Brazilian colleague calls it Mexican lunch with absolute disdain. Um, yeah, Mexican lunch like this is like not not at the proper time. Twelve o'clock's the time for lunch, not three o'clock. Um, and then you would have something basically at home. And that would be sort of normally, it's very traditional. You you call it here comida coriga. Uh, you can go and pick it up. It would be things like, I don't know, like a soup to start off with or maybe a bit of salad. And then you would have a plate of rice. You maybe have some like veggies with that, some meat, eat it with some tortillas and things like that. And then a little tiny dessert or something like that. That would be like sort of lunchtime. But that doesn't happen in school. It happens outside of school. Um, and so because of that, lunch breaks are quite short here. Um, and you would have breakfast before going to school as well. And Mexicans value breakfast as much as the English. So you would have, it's not like a case in Brazil where you'd have a piece of bread or that's it. You'd go up full, ready to go, basically. And that means that we don't have, uh, I think the benefit of this is that we don't have to stress as much about like postponing our lunch break. I think there's only one day where I really have to eat very quickly. And that's normally, that's how my timetable is sort of sorted out. But I still always have time to grab a sandwich from, from like the school's cafeteria and things like that and eat it very quickly to go, you know, 10, 15 minutes kind of job. The rest, yeah, we definitely don't have to do things like, I still can't get over that. Like, I'm really going to try it. I think, I think this would make like a great sort of like teachers talk radio challenge is do the the two minute tech tip lunch challenge or something like that and like just all of us filming each other or filming ourselves obviously trying to prepare the noodles in the way that uh was described on the two minute tech tip i mean like i'm definitely going to try this i'm so totally going to try this so apparently the step was right the step was mash up uh mash up the instant noodles or cut them up already sounds delightful i'm already sold pour hot water from the thermos into the mug. That was it, yeah. Pour hot water from the thermos into the mug, I'm assuming with the flavor packets and things like that, and then just wolf it down, like kind of shotgun it, funnel it up. Maybe we could get like a beer bong kind of thing, but like for noodles and noodle bong kind of things. Sorry, that might sound inappropriate. But anyway, yeah, we can definitely try that. I think that would be a very good challenge. Uh, Tom Rogers, if you want to get onto that and sort of suggest that, that could be a really good screening process for new teachers as well. Like if we're any new hosts, we could say this is like, <laughs> I could say it's like hazing or something like that or some kind of initiation. Um, just, I, lo I love the idea. I love the initiative. Don't get me wrong. And I'm also someone who will notice all the problems with those because I was like, ah, yeah, I like that idea. That sounds great, but I'm going to have to wash the mug. Or, oh, I like that idea, but I'm going to get messy, even though I don't have to wear a tie at <laughs> work or anything anymore because Mexico. Um, but yeah, I can imagine, I'm sure there's some other ways of doing it. I mean, the best way I would do is just have, and this is speaking to me in terms of the freezer tip, is that as a science department, we always have a fridge or a freezer kicking around. Now, I'm sure staff rooms have a fridge or a freezer somewhere. What I would just do is batch cook a load of food put them in my individual tuppers, like individual Tupperware. Sorry, I'm speaking in Mexican Spanish tuppers, we call it, not Tupperware. Um, put them in individual Tupperware. And then I have five or 10 in the fridge. And there you go. That's wheat. That's sorted. You can microwave it. Probably takes about five minutes to microwave from frozen. Five minutes to eat, 15 minutes. Surely that's doable. That's totally doable. And then you could just collect all the tuppers and take them home. I think that would, that, that, that would work a lot better. Anyway, so... <laughs> gone off on a real tangent i would say the best tip i would go and i'm looking at here because i've got it on my desk is just i run a lot 
Uh, and I would just take some running gel. If, if speed was the issue and you just need some calories in you, I would take just one, like one of those running gels. I mean, I know they're a little expensive. They're like probably a pound each in the UK. Um, so Tom Rogers is just messaging going, I love the thought you're putting into this, Rich. I'm a problem solver. That's why this is like, this is the reason why I'm a physics teacher. And this is the kind of solutions I love solving problems to. Uh, and so I'm just trying to think of the most quick, this is like space food. This is the best way we could do it. So yeah, you could use like those, those running gels and you could just put teacher food on it and print it out and say it's like teacher food. And so like, it's kind of like put like a, like a kind of logo on it or something like that. You could make a mint. We could have teachers talk radio branded teacher food and it could just be goo like this. Like, well, the brand I've got is called GU goo and it's just, yeah, it's great. I mean, like I really like them, but I only consume them after like 15 kilometers into a long run. Cause I know I'm going to need, you know, for, you know, for a marathon, the, the distance to keep going, but they, do make me talk faster than usual. So if you imagine me talking right now and you think this is normal speed, imagine me after having a, one or two of these. I've also heard they have some kind of digestive effects. So it might actually also, if you're consuming a lot of them, it might actually add to the time input, but more after that you've eaten, eaten them. So it might actually create more of a time sink. I think there's a solution here to this. And also, also the mug situation, I'm just going back to this. Can you just have a cup of noodles or a pot noodle or something like that? They're really nice. You could just do that. You could have pre-pot noodles ready to go. There, there's got to be something in here with this. Or we could just buy space food, like the frozen stuff, the freeze-dried stuff. I'm sure there's a solution to this. We're currently on a puente right now, which means a bank holiday. And we're on an extended puente. Uh, so yesterday was a bank holiday for everyone here in Mexico. It was Benito Juarez's birthday, who was one of the... Uh, found like founding members of the revolution mexican revolution mexican no mexican independence sorry they they're 100 years apart anyway mexican independence and so everyone had a day off today luckily my school re um was able to negotiate with the school authorities for us to have today off and wednesday off as well tomorrow off so when i am back in school on thursday and friday and those are two of my busier days they're normally stacked towards the end I'm going to find some time-saving tri tricks for lunch. I will tweet them, and you can follow along to my tweeting on at Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, follow the hashtag TT Radio, or you can follow along at me. Obviously, I'll be tweeting them, so it'll be Rich Random Fizz. So because my prof at Rich Random Fizz for, for the random physicist. Basically, just you'll you'll see me because I'll be tweeting at Teachers Talk Radio, and I will be testing scientifically the most time-saving lunch that you can have. But I think we also need some other criteria here in this. Because if you just wanted time-saving, that's fine. But what you could just do is like, like drink a protein shake or something like that, or liquefy those noodles and have them pre-lick and just drink them there like that. But lunch is an important aspect in terms of morale. It's not just also about you know, getting the calories into you. That is important. We need the calories into you so you don't have that, you know, that five o'clock lull at the end of the day. You need that sort of, that boost. But we also need to time, time effectiveness, amount of calories that are going in, nutrition as well. What nutritional benefits other than just raw calories are you getting? I feel like this scale is going really, really high. But also we need we also need a morale factor, a boost factor. So we're going to try and measure time sensitivity or time, not time sensitivity, the scale of time. What else are we going to do? So we're going to try and measure calories in, nutrition gained from it, 
But then I would also say we need something along the lines of, am I enjoying this? So I think flavor would be important. Flavor, but just also overall happiness scale. And also, we would also probably need a test of how energized, how well we feel after after like an hour of lunch. Because for example, for me, I love pot noodles, don't get me wrong. I love French fries, potato chips, sorry, crisps, all of those kind of things. And when I first started teaching, this is many years ago, when I first started teaching in the UK, I was an idiot. I still am. Uh, I was an idiot. And my plan of just basically getting nutrition at lunch would either be go to my local corner shop or Tesco Metro or whatever, grab a Red Bull and grab a sandwich and grab a packet of crisps from the meal deal and then just, you know, fire, eat that as quickly as possible. And then afterwards, after about an hour and a half, especially if it was very, very salty or there was a lot of extra sugar in there or something like that, or, you know, like if you're having Red Bull, all of that caffeine and taurine, I would just crash sometimes. Sometimes, you know, like when you have that sugar crash or, you know, you've eaten too much salty food or something like that, you have that kind of headache, that really, that headache kind of feeling and things like that. So I feel like we need to measure that in terms of success as well. So I will plan this out over my day off tomorrow. I should be, <laughs> I should be studying for an exam that I'm taking. I should be uh, getting on top of some marking because I'm an external marker this year. But I think we found something that's much more important this year. I think we found that the most important thing for us is to discover how can we quickly eat lunch while also maximizing nutrition and morale. There is going to be a scientific investigation into this. We're going to do it for at least two days. We'll do it for Thursday and Friday. I think Thursday we will have a lunchtime sort of thing of uh, an energy an energy goo. I'm looking at one here. I've got a Coca-Cola flavored one, which is will be quite nice. So I think that would be the easiest way to start off with. Also, it's really good because it's got all the information, all the nutritional information on the back. So I can easily quickly measure how much calorie and things like this. This could actually be a good project for me and the students as well, because I think they would be one of the things that I found sort of a little bit worrying in my times as a as a teacher is how students eat and <laughs> how they look after themselves in terms of like nutrients and setting themselves up for the day. Uh, this happened a lot as well on the International Duke of Edinburgh Award when we used to take students out because uh, they, a lot of our students are a little bit useless at cooking, let's say like nicely, they might not have cooked a meal themselves. And when you start the Duke of Edinburgh Award here, you can start in year 10, so around 15. Yeah, 15, 15 or even 14. Yeah, you can start at 14. So, you know, a lot a lot of students do know how to cook and fair play to them. But there are a few Muppets uh, who just have no idea how to cook and have never cooked in their life. And then their idea of what they want to cook is either way too ambitious or not got any flavor in or not got any nourishment in. And so what we kind of find, especially when they do the practice expedition, is that they, which is like the first sort of trial run they have to do, when they do the practice expedition is that they um, kind of have like a sugar, well, like a, a crash of energy, basically, because they've not been, uh, you know, putting in the amount of energy they need and things like that, or they've not been hydrating properly and things like that. Obviously, like, you know, if it's a medical emergency and things like that, we're on them. But we also are a big fan of sort of experiential learning. And, you know, like, we'd rather them go through that process 
and then realize and learn from it and things like that. So this could be quite a good science investigation for some of my students as well, particularly my younger students. So yeah, we're going to go with, I have to think of some other kind of quick foods. What we could do as well is just do the bog standard go to the cafeteria for lunch and see if that affects the timing. Uh, that could be one, one easy thing as well. And that will also include the time it takes for the cafeteria to prepare the food. So we've got two things there. We've got the fastest route of the energy juice or the energy goo bar and things like that. And we can also go down the route of just going to the cafeteria, eating the food there at the cafeteria, canteen, sorry, the school canteen. And we'll have to think of a couple of others as well that we can be doing throughout the week as well. And the main thing I want to measure is my energy levels before, during and after my happiness levels, like if I enjoyed the meal or not, flavor levels, nutrition levels, energy levels. Perfect. Okay, cool. Right. Well, that's, that's a hobby that I've got sorted out now. Wow. So this is basically how my mind works the whole time. I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting and things like that. On that note, I've just been discovered, that, oh, I've just been diagnosed that I have ADHD. And I can tell now that there are some things that I'm definitely finding are uh, to do with the fact that I have ADHD. I'm really glad I discovered this now in the young, young age of 36 years old. And I'm really, really annoyed I didn't discover this when I was in school myself. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so that was the <laughs> the rambling commentary about, uh, <laughs> about the time-saving tech tips for instant food. This reminds me, there's one other thing that we need to try as well. Sorry, I'm gonna go back to this, but there's one other thing that you need to try. And it's the, I can't remember what it's called, but it looks, it's a long cylinder that's basically about probably the size, it's about the shape of a Pringles can, but maybe a little fatter, maybe a little shorter than a Pringles can, maybe a couple of centimeters fatter in diameter. And it's got a heating element all around the sort of uh, the sides of the cylinder. And then like a funnel where you can put in some eggs and you're supposed to just crack in eggs and then just drop in a stick and it will cook them. And then once it's finished cooking, it will rise it out and call it like an, I think it's called like an eggly or something like that. And you can have egg on a stick. That could be one of our options to try as well. If I can find one on Amazon, that could be worth trying as well, because that could be a quick time-saving thing. And I don't think there's much cleanup there as well. So that's another option that we've got. Anyway, you've been listening to, or you are still listening to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We still got a couple of, we still got a quarter of an hour left. Please do text in. It's always great to hear from you. We've been talking recently about the sort of um, the pandemic, I want to say, about COVID cases in Mexico. Uh, and then we paused for some news. We talked about exams and the situations coming up with exams. Um, please do text in if you have any questions about any of those. And we've spent a fair amount of time reviewing the two-minute tech tips for this week uh, about quick and easy food shortages. Also, please don't see this as a read on two-minute tech tips. I absolutely love those ideas as well. I just thought they were absolutely hilarious. So they're really, really good. I really, really appreciate those as well. And it has spawned a new experiment. So we have uncovered something for science. We've also discovered the... Uh, the new Teachers Talk Radio Challenge, which is Necking Noodles from a Mug Challenge. Uh, I will also participate in that. That's one of my three. And from Thursday onwards, we're going to be testing out Speedy, Speedy Lunchables, I think we're going to call it. And we've already got, boom, next week's show lined up. There we go. We've got next week's show lined up because I'm going to be reviewing my five different lunches from that point. Will it be five lunches? No, it will be four lunches from that point. 
Okay, so it'll be four lunches from that point. I may try and take a quick lunch tomorrow as well, even though I've got the day off. That might be an outlier in the experiment because that's not a controlled variable. Because the most important thing in this experiment is the random nature of teaching. If you're having lunch in school, you are always aware that something might happen and that you might be called away from that lunch. Be it a student, uh, a student behavioral issue, uh, catching up with a student on some work, an emergency meeting, meeting with a parent, you know those things crop up. I'm obviously going to be at home or I have the day off tomorrow. So even if I try and take a quick lunch, that fear is not going to be putting into it. So how did you get Red Bull at, in the UK at lunch, Rich? Uh, Tom Rogers just messaged in. I will tell you a story about that. I am, this was, I'm not going to name the school. You can figure it out because it was a school I worked in, in the UK. This was a, this was a sixth form school, college. It was a sixth form college only. Um, they had what I can only describe as the unhealthiest cafeteria I have ever seen. The reason being, this was in the late 2000s. So healthy school meals had been brought out and all of these kind of things. The Jamie Oliver thing video had been out about healthy school meals. All of those campaigns about getting rid of the turkey twiddlers or whatever. Tw twiddlers? Turkey twizzlers or whatever has been out. But the rules only applied to secondary schools, not sixth form colleges. So... The sixth form college that I worked in, they did not just sell Red Bull, they sold Monster Energy drinks. They sold Monster Energy drinks and Relentless Energy drinks. Monster Energy drinks, I'm sure all our international people know, is basically the most vile concocted thing on the planet. Relentless is very, very similar. It's a UK-based one. Uh, I thank Relentless for getting me through my second year of my degree. It came out like in the mid-2000s. It's basically a Red Bull on steroids. Uh, the school would sell those in the cafeteria or in the canteen, along with like chips, all of those kind of things as well. And lo and behold, teenagers really loved drinking them. And if they were given access to them, they would drink them. Um, I, <laughs> I remember having Friday last lesson, having students bouncing off the walls. And these were like 16 and 17 year olds, they were, you know, like like my size and they were bouncing off the walls basically because they've been drinking you know at least one of these cans of things you know like cans of monster and things like that i went to the school principal and said yo y'all need to get rid of this this is disgusting and we had and they managed to their credit they got rid of it but we had uh basically it was like a head of finance he wasn't a teacher but he was part of slt he was an accountant by profession and I remember him coming to me and going, Rich, since we've got rid of all of these energy drinks, the cafeteria's lost a load of money. And I just went, well, why don't we sell cigarettes and alcohol then? Because students like those as well. <laughs> like, it makes us money. And that kind of shut him up, basically. So, um, and that was in my NQT year. So you can tell I was, I've always been this cantankerous because that was about, God, about 14 years ago now. So anyway, so yeah, that's how I got Red Bull in the UK. Also, um, there was a Tesco's literally right side this outside of the college and you could walk out in and out of the college and students could as well because um, they were sixth form colleges. Um, so yeah, so we have got next week's show already planned. This is amazing. This is a miracle. Normally I plan the show about 10 minutes before the show is due to start. We've already got it. I'm going to be reviewing the two minute tech tip review for easy eating of food and quick speediness of lunch. I will come up with a scale later and publish it. We're going to score this as well. 
I feel like this could be a good blog post for my <laughs> for my website. Uh, random random plug, but go to therandomphysicist.com for all of your teaching resources needs that are physics based. I will be tweeting my responses, and then on our next show, which is this time next week, I will be reviewing the two minute tech tips speedy review to success. One of them will involve the mashed up noodles that will be one of them that will be one of them i don't think i'm going to try the frozen sandwich because i already know like what a sandwich like like i'm sure when it's defrosted it will be fine and one of my system or one of my one of my other tests is going to be just sitting down to lunch at the cafeteria and what i normally order is sort of a, a, a like a sandwich anyway so i think that's kind of like there's two overlaps there so we've got the, the pot noodle challenge, I'm going to call it. We're going to call it the sandwich challenge. We've also got running running uh, gels. And we've got one other that we need to test. If you want if you want to suggest the fourth one, please do tweet in at Teachers Talk Radio or at TT Radio. Tweet at me, Rich Random Fizz, P-H-Y-S at the end. Or you can just uh, text in now. We've got space for another one as well. So we're going to be running this test over... Thursday of this week, Friday of this week, Monday and Tuesday of next week. Tuesday's the show as well. I will be having the show at four o'clock my time, which would be around four hours after lunch. So I think might be a little might be a little touch and go there with that one. So what I will do is I'll probably save that one for like the standard one, like just ordering lunch at the cafeteria. And we'll more be measuring time there, time sort of taken as opposed to the other times as well. And then we can sort of gauge the feel as well. If I'm low energy during the show, then we know why. Okay, so we've got space for one other. Now we've got another five minutes left on Teachers Talk Radio. Please do text in. You can tell I love going off on tangents. My students tell me that my students love me going off on tangents as well. A lot of my, a lot of my lessons are basically taught like in the style of Billy Connolly, basically, where I get the learning objectives in in the first 10 minutes. The last 50 minutes is anyone's game, basically. It's it's really not that unprofessional. Don't worry. If there's any future employers listening to this show, I've, I'm very happy in my job, but I'm sure someone probably will try and listen back to this. So in five years time, if a future employer is looking at this, hello, 2027. I hope it's not as a big flaming pile of garbage as the past couple of years have been. Please don't take Rich Wrigley from 2022 as literally. He's on a bank holiday. He's had a very, very tiring time of the year. And this is just a very fun way of releasing that kind of stress as well. Okay. I am a very, very professional person. So any future employers listening out, I am very, very professional. And also, I'm a physics teacher who knows theory of knowledge and extended essay for IB. So you know, basically just, you know, I've already got the job, haven't I? <laughs> so this is going to be great. If I, if in five years someone listens to this, I'll put this on my resume sneakily somewhere in five years time. So if someone does find it uh, <laughs> and give me the job, I'll be like, oh God, no. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So this is uh, the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We still got a couple of other minutes left uh, for us to have a chat and discuss things. Uh, we're going to be reviewing next week the, the Tech Radio Challenge. Also, the other thing I was going to talk about as well was uh, it was really nice to hear on the new Surfers Against Sewage. Uh, they started out when I first started out. It's really, really great for uh, it's really, really great to hear that they're still going strong. It's kind of sad that they still have to exist. <laughs> I thought we would have solved it by now. Um, the problem. Uh, and the other thing as well is it's great to see that cases in the UK of COVID are going down. Um, 
I'm curious to know if people are still wearing masks in the UK. Here it's just a given that we, everyone in class has to wear a mask. Um, obviously some students forget, so we have to like politely, um, we have to politely remind them and things, but on the whole students, you know, all the way, we have a primary school, students all the way down from primary up to sixth form, wear their masks, no problem. Uh, we're also very fortunate, uh, and Tom Rogers has just messaged in to say, what's the weather like here today, Rich? Uh, it's not that bad, it's sunny. <laughs> uh, and it's sunny all the time. It's, again, we're at altitude, we're at 2,700 meters above sea level. Uh, so when it gets hot, it gets very hot, uh, especially the sun is very intense. Um, I was playing softball over the weekend and forgot to put uh, suntan lotion on, or sorry, sunblock, sunblock on, and my neck went a little bit red, and I'm naturally quite a tanned person and I got a little bit of sunburn which is rare for me um, but that is really really advantageous because it's cold in the morning because uh, we're high up and because the atmosphere is quite thin uh, but by about 10 9 o'clock in the morning 10 o'clock in the morning sun comes out lovely and warm and we can very easily have the windows open uh, in our classrooms we can easily ventilate we've got uh, masks and everything like that in this in the class and we've got co2 monitors the only thing that's sort of where we've laxed the rules a little bit, the only way, place where we've laxed the rules a, a smidge is we used to say that you would have to wear the mask outside. Our cafeteria is open air, because again, because of the nice weather. Um, so that was the only time where students were allowed to take their mask off is when they were eating and it was outside. Um, but even like if they were playing basketball on, a, on an outside court or something like that, we'd expect them to wear the masks. Um, and that rule's only just been relaxed um, the last week or so. Um, we're very fortunate as well that most of our students have been vaccinated. A lot of our students <laughs> were vaccinated before me um, because they flew because our parents are, our parents are quite well off. So a lot of them flew to uh, flew to the states, uh, got their Pfizer jabs because obviously it was open to uh, children ages twelve and up, <laughs> and they were able to get uh, double vaccinated and everything like that. Also, the the uh, vaccines have been rolled out uh, first. I think for 12 year olds now, they've just started it. When I got my second dose of AstraZeneca, my third dose overall, they were vaccinating, um, they were vaccinating teenagers with Pfizer, which is great to hear as well. So yeah, we've been, uh, we've been really fortunate in terms of the weather. It's actually probably helped us a lot with COVID. Um, also the fact that Mexico is a very kind of communal Mexico's weird because Mexico Mexicans themselves can be really individualistic sometimes. And you'll notice that, especially living in a big city. Um, but, when there's a crisis, people just pull together and just know what to do. Um, and so masks have not been a political thing here at all. They've just not. Um, but also, for example, we had uh, in the last two weeks, we had two uh, earthquake alerts. Uh, basically, what what happens is that Mexico City is like in the center of Mexico, up, up quite high. And the where the earthquakes usually happen are on the Pacific coast. Um, the Pacific coast is about a five hour drive away. Um, so there was a large earthquake in September in Acapulco, which is about a five hour drive away. So what will happen is if there's an earthquake where the epicenter is near Acapulco, it takes about 60 seconds to a minute, uh, sorry, 60 seconds to about 90 seconds, 60 seconds on average for the, uh, the shock wave or the earthquake wave to reach Mexico City. So because of that, what will happen is if an earthquake there are sensors all along the Pacific coast. And if 
an earthquake is detected, if the epicenter is on the coast, that will send an alarm, that will send information to the alarm sensors or to the alarm network in Mexico City. And then basically you'll hear an alarm where it's basically like a really loud, like, and it says like, earthquake alert, earthquake alert, that's it. As soon as you hear that, you know you've got 60 seconds to get out of the building. So it gives us a little bit of time as opposed to in some places like in Japan where everything's on the fault line we actually in Mexico City have a smidge of time to get out. Sometimes the earthquakes will happen here and, you know, like without any warning. That can happen too. Um, but it gives us a little bit of time. Anyway, in the past two weeks, two of those, two, we had two minor tremors on the coast. And that meant that we had two um, two earthquake alarms go off during uh, during lessons. And I was just blown away at how sensible my students were with it as well. They knew to get out straight away, all of these kind of things, knew where to line up. They were super duper quiet, all of those things. Really, really impressive. And I think a lot of that comes as well from when there is a crisis, Mexicans just pull together um, and they will just be like, yep, OK, this is what I got to do. We've got to do this and everyone will look out for each other. Anyway, on that positive note, I will see you next week for the lunch tech tip review extravaganza palooza and this has been uh the late late show with me rich wrigley have a lovely evening everyone this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.